Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. This is Ronald Coleman, inviting you to radio's most dramatic half hour. Favorite story. Did you ever hear a piece of music composed for 80 symphony musicians and four airplane engines? Well, there is such a symphony, and the man who startled the world with it is the same man who chose this week's favorite story. He's one of the century's most brilliant modern composers, the famous bad boy of music, Mr. George Antile. The story Mr. Antile picked as his favorite is one of the maddest fictions ever dreamed for the literary mind. And when you've heard it, I think you'll agree. It's a fantastic yarn about science and insanity. Fitzjames O'Brien wrote it, and William Conrad is going to play the leading role. For all of you who love the amazing and the bizarre, here's George Antile's favorite story, The Diamond Lens. a circus. This fellow Lindley's lecture ought to give us the biggest laugh of the year. What's so funny about Professor Lindley? <laughs> the old fellow's crazy. Cracked on the subject of submicroscopic animula. Look, when he comes to the question and answer period, ask old Lindley if he believes there are any worlds of life beyond the reach of the most powerful microscopes. See what he says. <laughs> See what he says. <laughs> and now, students, we have a few moments left before the end of the lecture period. Are there any questions? Uh, yes. Uh, Professor Lindley. Yes? Do you believe that living creatures exist beyond the magnifying limits of our best microscopes? I... Why do you ask that question? Well, I've heard, sir, that you hold definite opinions about subvisual life. I do. I do indeed. Professor, what forms do you believe these uh, creatures take? Human, sir. They have a definitely human form. <laughs> you may laugh. Others have. But I swear to you that there exists in every drop of water... A universe that you dream not of. Other scientists tell you of atoms, of electrons rotating planet-like within these atoms. All this only guessed at, never seen by the human eye. But I tell you, these electrons, like our Earth, have life upon their crusts. And I tell you that this life is human. How do you know these things, Professor? Professor? 
How do I know? Because I have seen them. I began this research by accident. I was a young man, a student at the university in Edinburgh, just beginning to experiment with a microscope. On the floor above me lived a rather eccentric young gentleman named Jules Simon. Lindley. Lindley, are you awake? Who is it? Simon, let me in. Lindley. I've just had the most amazing experience. Do you believe in spirit mediums? I don't know much about them. Well, I've just spent the evening with an amazing one, a Madame Bulty. And believe me, Lindley, I had a conversation through her with my own great-grandfather. That's astonishing. It is astonishing. How she cuts through the veil into the other world. Almost the way your microscopes bring other worlds within our reach. Ah, Simon, I hope your Madame Volpes has better contact with her other world than I have with mine. Oh, you're not discouraged, old man. Very. Our lenses are such crude affairs. We scientists must be content to grind imperfect glass into imperfect shapes. And beyond a thousand diameters, our microscopes refuse to show us that... that other world. (laughs) Then I suggest you consult Madame Volpes. Her door into the other world is not such a narrow one. Come for a communication, Professor Lindley. Yes, Madame Volpes. From any particular spirit? A certain man. Did you ever know this person on this earth? No, he died long before I was born. You will seat yourself at the table, Professor Lindley, and place your hands upon it so. I will extinguish the lamp. You require complete darkness? The visitors from the other world insist on it. Oh. Now, our hands press on the table. Ah. They are strong tonight. You are fortunate, Professor. Will the spirits communicate with this gentleman? They will speak with you. What spirit do you wish? Uh, I, I, I should like to speak with the ghost of Anton van Leeuwenhoek. Anton van Leeuwenhoek. This gentleman wishes to speak with Anton van Leeuwenhoek. Leeuwenhoek, who invented the microscope? I am he. Uh, Sir, I am a lens maker like yourself. Tell me, can the microscope be brought to perfection? It can, and by you. But how? I've, I've racked my brain. For the love which you bear to science, please help me. A diamond. A diamond? 
of 140 carats submitted to electromagnetic currents for a long period yes. will experience a rearrangement of its atoms. And if you pierce that stone through its axis, you will be able to grind the universal lens. Will great discoveries come from such a lens? So great that all which has gone before is nothing. Now I am called. I must go. I must go. I had the secret. It was logical, intensely logical. All that night, I lay awake dreaming of the discoveries I would make with my diamond lens. But where, where would I find a diamond of 140 carats? The next evening, I decided to enlist the help of my neighbor, Simon. A diamond of 140 carats? Lindy, the idea is preposterous. There aren't a dozen stones in the world of that size. Nevertheless, I must find it. Well, if you're serious... There's only one place where you'd have the remotest chance of finding it. Where is that? Amsterdam. That's where all diamonds go eventually. Do you suppose that any of the jewelers in Amsterdam will let me borrow a diamond for uh, 140 carats? <laughs> Why, of course they'll let you borrow one, Lindy. And all they'll ask you to put up for security is the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone laughed at me, even as Simon did. But the thing had become an obsession. I must build a microscope with a diamond lens. They started calling me Mad Lindley when I bought my steamship passage to Holland. Perhaps I did seem mad to travel in steerage on the mission of a millionaire. Though I begged them in the interest of science to allow me the use of such a diamond. I had no fortune, no patron, nothing but a few guineas and a fantastic theory. At last, I gave up. Brought my passage back to Scotland on the next steamer and went back to my lodgings to pack my trunk. There was a folded slip of paper underneath my door. Professor Lindley, if you desire to find what you seek... Come tonight at midnight to the yellow brick house on the Borneo Struts. Yes? I am Lindley. Come in, Professor Lindley. You're a few minutes early. I received your note. I'm very anxious to know if you have what I'm looking for. How much do you want it? So much that I would give my life gladly if I might have the use of such a diamond for one year. Well, the gift of your life, my dear professor, is of no interest to me. Come. 
Mr. Lindley, see what you find inside this small black box. It is heavy. Very. Open it. The clasp works easily. Very well. I call it the Eye of Morning. How did you get it? Is that any concern of yours? I must have it, sir. It is yours. Mine? With the payment of a million pounds. Where would I get such a sum? Well, if you want this gem as much as I think you want it, you will find a way. You are right, sir. I do want this stone as much as you think. And I will find a way to have it. Of course you will. You recall that I said I would sacrifice my life to own this diamond? I recall very well. You should know that I am ready to sacrifice another man's life, too, if necessary. But surely... No. Stay back. I want this diamond very much, sir. You know how much. I have friends nearby. They will hear you. But a knife is very silent. No, don't! to death in a yellow brick house on the Borneo Strat. I was already on board my steamer bound for Scotland. And after all, why should they suspect Mad Lindley? There were no witnesses. Oh, yes. There was one. One eye which observed all that happened. The eye of mourning. Continue with Act Two of George Antile's favorite story, The Diamond Lens. You know, the ways of the normal human mind are complex and strange, but in the diseased mind, where the subconscious enfolds dreams of the most terrifying nature, the brain of man becomes a miracle of strangeness. And when that brain belongs to a scientific genius such as Professor Lindley, the power of his thought shatters anything which stands in his way. With Amsterdam behind him, with a stolen diamond in his pocket, Professor Lindley returned by packet to his native Scotland. Back in Edinburgh, I hurried to my room and closeted myself with my prize. There it lay on my work table. The Eye of Morning, one of the largest diamonds in the entire world. Clamping an optician's loop in my eye, I scanned the inside of the gym. There was not a single flaw. I waited. Exactly 140 carats. I smiled at my good fortune, my cleverness. They could call me mad lonely now. What did I care? I owned a diamond which was worth the ransom of an emperor. I set to work. I built a large galvanic battery of more than 2,000 plates. This enormous electrical power was fed into a coil of wire wrapped around the iron core of an electromagnet. And in the powerful field between the poles of this magnet, I placed the eye of morning. Day and night, night and day for three weeks, I subjected the diamond to this magnetic flux. 
Of course, I could not sleep. My eyes almost never left the gem. It seemed to grow in luster and brilliance. And to my amazement, when there was no light at all in the room, the diamond shone of its own luminescence with a ghostly blue lavender glow. At last, I calculated the molecular rearrangement of the diamond should be completed. I cut off my electrical switches. Then began the most exhausting toil I've ever known. I set about grinding my diamond lens, polishing it to perfection, and then the exhausting and tortuous work of boring the hole through the center of the axis, as Leeuwenhoek had instructed, all with precision to the millionth of an inch. And then at last, after weeks, months of superhuman effort, my diamond lens was completed. And I stood trembling on the threshold of new worlds. My hand shook as I made the apparatus ready. Now, what should be the first object to be scrutinized through this most powerful of all microscopes? Why not the elemental substance, the most common fluid in our everyday lives, a drop of water? I placed a single drop of distilled water on my microscope slide. Then I covered it with a thin film of turpentine to prevent rapid evaporation. I adjusted my lamp. And with a strange mixture of anticipation and dread, I looked through the eyepiece of my diamond lens. seemed to gaze upon a vast space, the limits of which extended far beyond my vision. Then I made a minute adjustment with my microscope. Suddenly, a many-colored sphere leaped into view. A perfect ball, suspended in space, even as the full moon hangs in the evening sky. It floated nearer and nearer. And it filled the entire field of view. I could see its surface clearly. Mountain ranges and valleys, banks of gaseous clouds and oceans of vapor. This must be the nucleus of an atom. Or even an electron. The power of my diamond lens had reached into the very essence of matter. And now the surface of the sphere seemed so close to me that I could see forests and rocks and deserts. And I thrilled to think of what animal life I might observe. A universe was swinging into view, all contained in a droplet of water. My microscope now peered into a greenish glade. I thought I saw a moving shape. Anxiously, I waited for a clearer view. Would it be some animal, some giant insect, a reptile, or... Something hitherto unknown. At last, the gauzy veils of cloud foliage vanished, and I gazed upon a woman. Did I say a woman? 
she had the outlines of humanity, but there the resemblance stopped. Her adorable beauty far exceeded that of any mere woman who ever walked our earth. Her eyes were mystic violet, dewy and serene. Her hair flowed out of her proud head like a track of a falling star through the night sky. And the perfect roundness of her limbs formed suave and enchanting curves. And I cannot, I dare not even attempt to describe her grace of movement the way she floated effortlessly through the atmosphere of her subatomic world. think I dreamed I saw this lovely creature. Well, you lie. Because you yourselves have never had the ingenuity, the industry to make such a microscope. Because you have never heard of such things, you dismiss them. Is it so incredible that there might be other universes within ours? Is it preposterous that a drop of water resting on a microscope slide? might contain a whole Milky Way system of planets, constellations, and galaxies. And is it beyond belief that a shrewd scientific investigator like myself might peer into this minute system and see a living creature? My friends, even as I speak to you now, some super-gigantic scientist with eyelashes Light years long may be depositing our universe contained in a drop of water on his microscope slide. He may be adjusting his diamond lens to peer in astonishment at you, madam. And he may be falling in love with you. Is that madness? I confess to you there was a moment... When I felt my reason falter, my sanity slipping away, as I watched that beautiful woman through my lens, I knew that here I had found complete perfection in womankind. And I knew, too, that I loved her. I would have given my life to kiss that incredible creature, to embrace her womanly form in my arms. But we were separated by the greatest gulf which ever lay between lovers. I could see her, but she could never see me. I could never let her know that I existed and that I loved her. And then a shadow passed over her face. She hesitated in the dance, and she looked up at me with an expression of great pain. And even as I watched her graceful limbs withered, and she writhed in agony, and her suffering tore at my soul. Yet there was nothing, nothing I could do. She was dying before my eyes, yet I could not save her. And the rainbow-colored forest in which she danced was shriveling, too. They twisted about her. They enveloped her. And she disappeared from view. I looked down at the stage of my microscope. And the glass slide was still there. But the drop of water was gone. 
and the whole universe which held my exquisite dancer had evaporated into the night air. How can I describe to you the emotions which flooded in me at that instant? Despair at my loss such a man has never known. Terror at my loneliness. Yes, sheer stark terror at the realization that this creature, who had in these brief hours become more surely a part of me than my own immortal soul, would not return. And then anger. A horrific rising fury seething in my brain against the object which had brought to me this wonder. Now forever lost. For a long, horrible moment I stood staring at it. There on the table before me. My diamond lens. Made miraculously fragile by the rearrangement of molecules I had achieved. My lens set with such infinite precision within my microscope. And then a muffled cry within my throat. I raised one of the massive andirons before the fire, and with a strength beyond my own, I struck! Again! 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 And at last, there on the floor beneath my feet were but shattered remnants of the object of my hatred, my diamond lens. And that, young gentleman... Is my answer to your question? Do creatures exist beyond the realm of human sight? They do. I, of all the world, have seen them. Good day, gentlemen. have it, the diamond lens, the scientific nightmare of a somewhat unrecognized talent in American letters, Fitz James O'Brien. May I commend William Conrad for his excellent portrayal of Dr. Lindley, and congratulations to our young conductor, Robert Mitchell, for his remarkable music. And of course, our deepest thanks to Mr. George Antile for choosing the diamond lens as his favorite story. Next week, we take you back to the happy days of your childhood, your first date, your first dance, and your first kiss. It's Louisa May Alcott's unforgettable novel, Little Women. We know that Joe and Laurie, Meg and Amy, Beth and Mommy, have always been among your favorite characters, too. So when Favorite Story presents Little Women, we hope you'll be listening. (laughs) 